King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contended and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. I was lying in my bed. The images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream, interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and mm. on there was food for it all. Under, the, under it the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let, them, and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass him by. For the decision is announced by the messengers, the holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and, and gives to anyone he wishes, and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for, for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let this, the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, <coughs> providing food for all, giving a shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of, for the, birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominant 
you know, dominant extends to the distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump, bound with iron and bronze, in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is and this is the decree of Most High as issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven away from, pe- from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass for you, and until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the King, kingdoms of men, and gives them to anyone he wishes, the command to leave the stump of the tree with, with its roots means that your King that your kingdom will be restored to you when you, have not, when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may, may be that, that then your pro- prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Well, thanks very much, guys, for reading that. It was a long reading, but um, a great story. And uh, we're going to look at that now, just over the next uh, few minutes. And it starts with a scary dream, a nightmare. Um, how many of you have had scary dreams, nightmares? Anybody want to share something with us? Anybody want to share one of your nightmares? I'm going to have a roving mic here. No, here we are. Anybody want to share one? Come on, come on. I know you've all had one. Yes, Helen. It's always about spiders. Spiders, yeah, <laughs> spiders. Anything else that crops up in these dreams? A regular pattern that 
occurs? Falling. Falling, yeah. Falling, falling, falling. Anything else? Yes, Tom? A chase. Yeah, I used to have those chases where you're being chased and somehow you couldn't run as fast as you wanted to, you're going in slow motion. Did you ever like that? Or you scream out and nothing comes out of your mouth? We trip over, yeah. Tsunamis, I've had dreams about tsunamis. Um, I think I've got a problem, haven't I? Have you ever a counsellor in the house? Yeah. Well, Daniel is a book of dreams. Do you remember the, uh, the story so far? God has allowed the Jews to be defeated because of their disobedience. They've been taken into captivity in Babylon. And um, a number of the young men are trained up to serve the king. One of those is Daniel. And there's one day when Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has a dream and nobody can interpret it. And not only interpret it, nobody can actually tell him what the dream was he had. He doesn't tell them, apart from Daniel. And when he does that, he's given this great position where he reigns over the province of Babylon. He's made chief of all the advisors. So he's in a very privileged position. So far, Nebuchadnezzar has seen God in action. He's seen him interpret his dreams. He's also seen um, him rescue three guys from a fiery furnace. Remember we looked at that last time? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Rescued from a fire. And yet, despite all this, he hasn't yet submitted his whole life to God. But in this chapter 4, which we're looking at this evening, this is a testimony of how God has changed his life. And how he's decided finally to worship God. Because he was a pretty proud king, Um, He had to be humbled first. He had to be taught a lesson. It was a hard lesson, a painful lesson. Um, But as we all see, God disciplines those he loves. He often teaches them the hard way. Well, Nebuchadnezzar starts his story by describing in verse 4 how he was at home in his palace, contented and prosperous. In other words, he was at home, taking it easy, without a care in the world. He was enjoying all that this world has to offer. He was living the dream. He had a palace, he had wives, he had servants. He ruled over the whole world. Isn't that most people's dream? Younger people, I don't know what you dream that will happen to you when you grow up. For a lot of people it is to, to have a nice home, to be happy, to be well off. Think of all the programmes you get on TV about um, homes, Properties. Do you know how many there are on, are on at the moment? Uh, I did a quick look at this. This month, how many programmes do you think are on TV about homes? Have a random guess. Eleven programmes. There you go, not bad. Eleven programmes on homes. Because that's what a lot of people live for. People here will pick up the Tame Gazette. What's the first page they turn to? The property page. To look for their dream home, the home they wish they had. Maybe the is living the dream. He's king of the castle. He's no worries, no stresses, and yet he has a dream. And it's a dream which makes him afraid. It terrifies him. What was so terrifying about this dream? Let's have a look. If you've got a Bible open, have a look down. I'm going to look at um, this dream. There's an enormous tree in the middle of the land, it says, which grew so tall that it could be seen from all over the earth. Beautiful leaves. Abundant fruit, enough to feed everybody. Animals rested underneath it. Birds lived in its branches. 
provided food for every creature. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? But then comes the bad news. A messenger from heaven calls out in a loud voice, cut down the tree, trim the branches, strip the leaves, scatter the fruit, so the animals, the birds flee, and all that is left is a stump and some roots in the ground bound with iron and bronze. The vision of paradise has been destroyed. And a picture just coming up actually of a palace in, uh, this is actually in Afghanistan, can't see it too well. Uh, that's what it used to look like in all its glory. And what it looks like today is that a ruin, paradise destroyed. But this message gets even worse than that because it says, let him, verse um, 15, second half 15, let him, whoever he is, we don't know yet, be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants. Take away his mind. Give him the mind of an animal. You notice what the difference is between the mind of an animal and a human. What do you think is the difference? What can a human do with a human mind that an animal can't do? Reason, yes. A human mind reasons. reasons. It uses arguments. It tries to <coughs> understand things. Anything else? What can a human mind do? Yeah. Yeah, it understands right and wrong. It has this sense of morality. What is right and wrong, which animals don't have. That's right. Well done. Anything else? Plans for the future. Plans for the future. Humans dream, they plan, and they share those experiences with others in the way they relate. Any others? They remember the past. That's right. Animals just live for the day. Loads of things that human minds can do that animals can't do. That mind is going to be taken away from this person. Now, it's not surprising the king is pretty terrified. And then the messenger gives the reason why all this is going to happen. Have a look at verse 17. It says, So that the living may know that the Most High, that's God, is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. It's a lesson that many human leaders in history have had to learn that they are only placed in a position of power by God. And he can take away that position any time he wants. Now, it seems strange, don't you think, that Nebuchadnezzar needs an interpretation? Because the message here seems quite clear, doesn't it? But he's thinking probably what many of us think when we're given a warning or a rebuke. It's, what's this got to do with me? What has it got to do with me? I heard the message in my dream, but what has it got to do with me? Nebuchadnezzar is terrified, but he doesn't really know why. Now Daniel, who's able to interpret it, is also terrified, it says here, because he knows that the warning in the dream applies to Nebuchadnezzar, and he's terrified that he's got to tell Nebuchadnezzar, look, this is all about you. <coughs> look what he says, he says, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies, and it's meaning to your adversaries, another word for enemies. But he says, you are the tree. You are the truth. This is not a general warning. This is a warning directed at you, Nebuchadnezzar. You are the one who's become great and strong, but you are the one who's going to, become, who's going to come down to the ground. You heard the message. You will be driven away from people. 
and live with wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle, be drenched with, the dew of, drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times or seven years will go by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. In other words, that God rules, not you. And incredibly, Nebuchadnezzar has not realised that um, this was about him. So the story, do you remember the story of King David who commits adultery with uh, Bathsheba? Um, tries to cover it up and ends up having her husband killed. And the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him this story about um, a rich man who has loads of cattle and sheep and a poor man who just has one lamb that he raises as uh, one of the family. And uh, one day a visitor comes to the uh, the rich man and uh, the rich man decides to kill an animal for him and have a big meal. Instead of taking one of the hundreds that he has, he goes and takes this, this one sheep from this poor man. And when David hears this story, he says, this is outrageous. That man should be taken out and killed. And Nathan says to him, you are the man. You are the man, David. How often do we hear a sermon sermon or read the Bible and we think of all the people that would benefit from that lesson? And without realising that actually, it's directed at us as well that we've become blind to our sin. But the Bible tells us that each one of us is a sinner. We can't look at our friends at school and say, well, you know, at least I'm, I'm better than them. You know, some of the stuff that they do um, is really bad, but, you know, I, I'm okay. Each one of us needs to be forgiven. Each one of us needs to follow Jesus. God wants a relationship with us personally. And sometimes we have to learn the hard way. And that's called discipline. What does discipline mean to to you guys? Younger ones, what does discipline mean to you? What do you think of when you hear discipline? Has anybody been disciplined? (laughs) I won't ask you to give us that experience, but uh, what is discipline? What do you think of when you think of discipline? You want to shout somebody out? Somebody? Do you think yippee, discipline? Yes, bring it on. No? It's got quite negative sort of um, vibes about it, isn't it? You know, if you hear discipline, you think punishment. You think that's what happens at school. That's what stressy, stressful teachers do. But actually, discipline is it's teaching. It's, it's instruction. It's like discipling. Same, same sort of word, isn't it? The reason it has warning and punishment attached to it is that it's in order for us to learn. What is the responsibility that your parents have been given? It is to bring you up in the training, the instruction or the discipline of the Lord. And so we shouldn't resent discipline. One of those proverbs we had earlier, wasn't it? Because it's a sign of love. This is what it says in in Hebrews. It says, my son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. It's a way of breaking through when sometimes we're blind, we're deaf to what we're being taught and we're going to end up just wrecking our lives if we carry on the way we're going. Sometimes we need to learn the hard way. What's the lesson that Nebuchadnezzar needs to learn in this story? What is the lesson he needs to learn? 
Shout it out. It's not a rhetorical question. To submit to God. To submit to God. That's right. He needs to learn that, that God is the ruler. God rules. Not Nebuchadnezzar, but God rules. He needs to submit to him and do what he says. Now, that's a tough lesson he has to learn, um, but he's told that when he learns that lesson, that he will be restored. He will get his kingdom back. The punishment will finish. Look what it says in verse 26. Daniel says, The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Now, there is a chance that Nebuchadnezzar can avoid the punishment. As Daniel says, if you renounce your sin, you know, maybe you don't have to go through this. The thing with warnings is, though, that we, we ignore them, don't we? You know, because we don't think it's going to happen to us. There was a sign of a shark warning there last year as a British man uh, went swimming and, uh, in Grant's hometown, Cape Town, South Africa. And uh, saw a big sign saying, warning, sharks. But didn't think it would happen to him. Um, great white, white shark attacked. And uh, he survived, but he lost both his legs. We ignore warnings at our peril. Now, in our story, we're told that 12 months later, after this dream happened, after Nebuchadnezzar had been told what it meant, <laughs> he's on the roof of his palace again. Look at verse 20, 29. There he is. What does he say? Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Big mistake. It says the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven and told him that he was going to receive the punishment that he was warned about. He was going to be driven away from people. He was going to live with the wild animals. He was going to eat grass like cattle. And we're told that his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle, his nails like the claws of a bird. He hasn't learnt the lesson, so he has to be disciplined and learn it the hard way. Now, the good thing is that he does eventually learn the lesson and God is faithful to his promise. And that happens in verse 34. The trigger there is that it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. He looked up. And acknowledge that God rules. It's not about me. He's the true ruler of the universe. And a complete change happens in Nebuchadnezzar. Then it says, I praise the Most High. I honoured and I glorified him who lives forever. Finally, he has got it. He's learnt the lesson. And this time he's changed his life forever. All those things that have gone on previously, people being saved from fiery furnaces, but this time he's got it. Look down at verse 37, the way the, the chapter ends. And this is the last we hear of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, but it's a good, it ends on a great note, doesn't it? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven. Because everything he does is right, all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble God could have punished Nebuchadnezzar forever. But he didn't. He did it in order to change him, to restore him, to make him see his mistakes so that he would worship the one who deserves our worship. This is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. It's how God opened his eyes to make him see his own pride and make him worship God. 
And it's an act of grace on God's part. God didn't have to do that, but he loved Nebuchadnezzar. And so he disciplined him, he taught him the hard way. Now we don't need to be a king like Nebuchadnezzar to think that we rule, that we are mighty. It's easy to think that we are a king without realising it. To think that all our achievements are down to us. To think that we are in control. That we can improve our lives by our (coughs) own efforts. It's what I thought when I was in my early 20s. But God in his grace taught me a very humbling lesson. He took what was important to me away from me. To those things like a job, a girlfriend, friends, a home. He humbled me. But then he restored me and gave me blessings far more numerous. Now I hope you don't have to go through that process and learn things the hard way. I hope that you acknowledge that God rules and you'd worship him and not yourself. But if you do go astray, if you do have to learn the bad way, then don't forget that God is still there for you. He won't uh, have left you. And however hard it may get, however mad you may become, once you raise your eyes towards heaven, acknowledge him, that he rules, he will forgive you, and he will restore you. I'm going to finish with some words from the book of Hebrews. And just remember these, when things are going badly, maybe it is God just bringing us back onto the right path. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. just want to finish by having a time of quiet and just um, listen to God speaking to you. What are the lessons that you need to learn? Are there any areas where you've been proud and thought you knew best? Ask God to show you. Allow him to humble you and ask him to forgive you. It's made me quiet. Father, we thank you for this amazing story of how you enabled Nebuchadnezzar to realise that he wasn't the true king, but that you are. You enabled him to see his own pride and to humble himself before you. We praise you for the way you restored him and, and blessed him, for the way that you showed your love to him. And we pray for ourselves that you would point out to us where we are proud, that we need to submit our lives to you. And all where we do um, get it wrong, and you have to discipline us, Lord. Help us to accept that because it is out of your love for us that you want to correct us and bring us back on the right path. Thank you that you love us and you're always there for us. Amen. Amen.